0: Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. We have several people we're going to be speaking with today. Right now, we are trying to hook up with Congressman Emanuel Cleaver out of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, as uh, This is a week of the Congressional Black Caucus annual legislative conference in Washington, DC. It goes from Thursday until Sunday, a lot of workshops. There'll be, uh, be a lot of uh, uh, socializing, as well as I'm sure now, a lot of strategizing uh hopefully uh the government will not shut down uh but we know that there's always that possibility so we ha- do have congressman emmanuel cleaver on the line right now congressman cleaver how you doing welcome to urban forum northwest sir we appreciate it and also i want to give a, a huge shout out to matthew helferner helfer who is on your staff yes put thing together i really do appreciate him to pass that that uh thank you on to him and i appreciate it so yeah, he's, a big week back in washington dc on more ways than one yes uh, first of all you have some your friends on the other side of the other side of the aisle that are uh, talking seriously about shutting the government down so uh why don't you just take a minute or two and just uh give, give folks an idea of what you're working on and uh, is
1: there going to be any possibility of paying people at the end of the month well uh based on my conversation with uh some of the uh, Republicans who are in the Freedom Caucus or the um, Tea Party, whatever uh, name they use, uh, uh, a uh, shutdown uh, seems uh, inevitable. Uh, that Those are the Republicans who are now saying that there's no way they can work with the uh, speaker and uh, we're not just voting now on legislation but also uh on the um uh, future of the speaker of the house which frankly means that his job is in jeopardy and i can tell you right now that i don't think that i can't imagine any way for mr mccarthy to get out of this uh, situation that he's in uh for example we've got to have a budget by the 30th uh, we are uh you know by constitution required to do that and uh so we have i think 17 18 days uh to do it but we are also um unable to get even preliminary legislation uh approved so I, i'm not happy i'm not happy about it because it's going to do enormous damage to the economy i think it's going to cr- uh, give us more cause to fear and inflation uh and there are a lot of people who are going to be in trouble and may not get paid for a period of time. Um, so it, it's not a good thing, and it's going to hurt poor people, like always, the first. Well,
0: uh, why don't you give our listeners some kind of example on what uh, what programs and what government subsidies will be cut out from people who depend on Social Security or Medicare or something like that?
1: Well, there's always, we have to fight this battle all the time. Uh, there's always, uh, when something comes up, uh, an attempt to uh either uh reduce medicaid uh, medicare benefits uh please understand that when franklin roosevelt first talked about it he, he didn't he wasn't get able to get it through harry truman actually got medicare through uh, and that was a uh, the 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 fight against medicare was uh, similar to the fight that we have all seen against uh the affordable care act and so people hated it and they and the Republican uh elected officials still hate it but the, the public wants it you know and seniors in particular but they're talking about always trying to do do damage to to Medicare um uh, the, the the park services will be closed that doesn't mean anything to most people except for the fact that uh those people are going to be without uh, uh income uh during that period the period of the shutdown uh we will probably end up trying to figure out how to have um, you know essential staff in 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 the federal position so that we can keep the government open uh, uh, uh or in terms of providing services to the public. Uh IRS, I mean uh you know that that's gonna delay uh you know anything that we're looking for in the spring in terms of uh re, re, you know uh uh where, where we uh, are going to expect some kind of a, a refund uh that could be a long delay and uh it doesn't even uh, uh count in I mean count in the other things that will have an impact at the same time when when the the uh, auto workers go on a strike uh when uh we are witnessing uh some things like the weather phenomena around the country. Uh, right now uh, when uh, we uh, are trying to figure out how to continue to pay for the war in the Ukraine uh, and you add this on plus the strike in uh, California uh, with the uh, the uh, um, in the movie industry uh movie television industry this is not going to be helpful. uh this is this could be devastating. And although a lot of the the people listening to your show may think, well, this doesn't involve me, it's some kind of politics going on in in uh, D.C., I can assure them, I can assure them, they're going to feel the pain and hurt uh, from whatever we have, what, whatever ends up happening.
0: Does that mean, uh, Congressman, that uh, Social Security will not be funded, and the people who are a lot of them support folks on the other side of the aisle? Maybe by them not getting the social security check it might change their vision of things.
1: What about the, the programs that'll, that'll be uh, be hurt most? Well, social security I, normally that that social security would also uh, uh, cease until after the, um until after we fund the, the government. Uh, but what what I think will happen is uh, that uh, the government. Uh, or the Treasury Department will probably try to figure out a way uh, to go around the shutdown in order to um, take care of Social Security, because that would put seniors in jeopardy. So uh, I know I've been in five shutdowns. I'm not bragging. I'm I'm, uh, expressing disgust, but I've been in five. I've been in Congress uh, be 19 years in January. And uh, and they're always uh, caused by the other side. All five of them, plus uh, the one we may go into. Uh, so, uh, medica- uh social security is going to probably get a lot of attention, even from some of the uh, right wing um, practitioners, because they are they know that the co- the public is not going to take that sitting down. Uh, if those if you know my if I have, my father's 101 years old. He wants his check. He he doesn't get his check, he, all of his kids and grandkids are are gonna be furious and and, and it's not just not political people, it's everybody. Uh yeah. they're gonna be uh, just furious with uh, with this administration. So I'm I'm am i I'm uh, worried about you know what's what could happen to this country uh, yeah. with another shutdown, especially at this inopportune time.
0: Yeah. Now, other than Congressman, this week is uh, our Congressional Black Caucus annual legislative conference. Can you just talk a little bit about that? What will be going on, and uh, will it be anything for people outside of Washington D.C. or involved? Will there be any live streaming of any of the events or workshops?
1: Yes, th- there there will be some live streaming, but we're reducing that. We we did a lot of that last year and the year before when we were in the COVID protocol, but but this year uh, we're going to have most of the sessions are probably not going to be uh, virtual. Uh, we will, we're will. we expecting somewhere in the neighborhood of about 7,000 people uh, to come uh, to the uh, convention center, uh, where, for example, I'm doing, uh, as, as usual, uh, some kind of a brain trust on housing, on affordable housing. I'll have uh, in my brain trust, for example, Secretary Marsha Fudge uh, from the uh, Housing and Urban Development Department Uh, I'm going to have uh, the the leader of uh, 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 FAFA, which is the federal uh, program that oversees, the the federal regulatory uh, that oversees Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Uh, We'll have uh, people uh, here from FDIC. All of the things that would impact somebody trying to buy a home, we will have uh, someone there uh, because uh right now uh we've got two problems one is the interest rates on homes is up to 7.2% and the other problem is that uh we don't have inventory so even if you even if you have the money to buy a house you're going to have limited options uh and and uh right now we we we've seen uh over the past uh 15 16 months uh the interest rates rise from 3% so uh, above seven percent, and uh, every time you talk about another uh, a point, you're talking about another hundred dollars out of everybody uh, out of a uh, 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 somebody's paycheck uh, as they pay that mortgage. So it's a a, a, a thing that I I do uh, every year because I want to make sure people understand the, the importance of uh, of housing. Uh, and it is critically important that now, uh, of all times, people are, uh, about what's going on as it relates to housing, because, uh, as I said, it, it can, it can hurt, uh, people to try to, uh, you know, survive right now. And we're even seeing people running out of, uh, opportunities to, to rent. I mean, this is the, one of the biggest crises facing this country. And uh, my, my philosophy over the years has been, we design our homes, and eventually the homes will design our lives. Uh, that's just how powerful uh, home ownership is. Uh, and black and brown people are just not keeping up uh, in terms of being able to get uh, uh, homes for th- that their families can live in and use as generational wealth uh, machines. Yeah. <clears throat> well, in Seattle, for example, uh-
0: it's estimated you have to have an annual income of 142 thousand five hundred dollars
1: annually to purchase a home that's uh, and and uh and, and Seattle on the west coast of course Northwest but but west uh, West Coast west Mississippi uh the, the housing prices are, are a lot uh a lot higher than they are in the middle of the country now here in Washington DC uh if you sleep on the sleepers if you street if you if you stake out a little spot, on a street is probably gonna be uh, $15 a night if you just sleeping uh, out on a carrier. I mean, uh, because what's happening all over the country uh, is uh, uh, gentrification uh, uh, and and replacement. Uh, years ago, anybody who's listening to your show today will probably remember that if you went uh, to the Southeast area of uh, DC, down where the yeah. stadium is, the new stadium, uh, we had public housing down there and we had, uh, frankly, uh, a, a lot of uh, housing that uh, would not uh, be appealing. Uh, but you can't even afford to go down and and sleep on a bench down there now. The stadium is down there. Uh, we've got restaurants in, uh, every 40 feet. Uh, we've got high-end uh, uh, condos. Uh, and so all those people, if you just think about it, what happened to all those people who live down there in that area where the where the new uh, uh, stadium is located? Uh, they they that, for many of them they have no place to go. Uh, this this place is extremely costly uh, yeah. to live in, uh, and uh, Seattle is probably not as high as D.C., but Seattle it would be up there with with uh, Northwest prices, which is Portland, Seattle. San Francisco, a lot more in L.A. Yeah, you got to make an awful lot of money
0: to buy in San Francisco. They have been an article on that. Well, Congressman, I want to thank you for your time today, and I look forward to seeing you at your workshop and the other festivities this weekend. I will definitely be at the Congressional Black Caucus, and I also can never thank you enough for hiring my daughter, Angela Teresa Rye, uh, Attorney Angela Rye, uh, to be the Executive Director and General Counsel congressional black caucus I think that was right after the Republicans took over the house that was like in 2010 2011.
1: yes yeah well you 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 and your 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 lovely wife uh, ought to be very proud I know you are of uh what what uh Angela has done and she was a uh, she she set the curve uh for uh running the CBC uh everybody now you know well if you can do if you can do it as well as Angela Rye, you you you're really doing it and uh and and that's exactly what she's doing and i was with a couple weeks ago at at the naval observatory where the vice president invited her and along with a a a number of others uh to to uh, do a recognition of the 50 years of hip-hop and uh, we had a chance then to uh spend time with my whole the whole cbc staff was there uh, which shows that uh that they all have become somebody significant that the Vice President wants them to be with her. That's great. Well,
0: Congressman Cleaver, thank you very much for the time and the work you're doing back there. And I will be seeing you at your workshop and some other festivities uh, during this annual uh, National Black Caucus annual legislative uh, conference. So thank you very much, Earl. All right. Looking to see you. OK, then mm-hmm. uh, my next guest is going to be Earl Key until uh, Congressman Hank Johnson is going to come on eventually. Earl, I'm glad you checked in with us. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having
0: me. Oh, yeah. Well, you have a very important position because we need to have people like you in important positions, especially where we have a po- possibility for economic inclusion. And uh, you, there's a, quite a few things that you've come up with as of late. Uh, I'd just like to have, you know, we didn't have a permanent for 25 years. We know that. We know that a bulk of the overwhelming majority of uh, the uh, DBE, disadvantaged business enterprise money, which is uh, with a lot that accompanies federal dollars, primarily from the Department of Transportation. Uh, we know that uh, the majority of that those funds went to uh, white female loan firms. Uh, so you have a new strategy uh, for including folks that are gonna dance around I-200 and Governor Gary Locke. He's the one that issued governor's record 98-01 to all the federal agencies after I-200 was passed, that really killed affirmative action. So uh, Earl Key, uh, We're going to be looking forward to you making some changes, my brother. So why don't you go ahead and share with our listeners exactly what you have on the table and uh, what they can expect.
2: Okay, thank you, Eddie. First, let me say that when I-200 was passed, um, I-200 mirrors California's Prop 209. But when California passed Prop 209, they also repealed all of their affirmative action statutes at the same time. In Washington state, that wasn't done. So you had I-200 and then you had still all of the affirmative action statutes still on the books. The reason state agencies follow I-200 was because of an, the uh, directive from Governor Locke, which said, okay, we have a conflict of statutes. We have I-200, which is against affirmative action. And then we have the affirmative action statutes that are still good law. So Governor Locke's directive directed state agencies to follow i-200 um and so when governor Inslee, who repealed that directive 9801 um he repealed that directive which gave state agencies the first step in being able to correct some of the same problems that i-200 brought as you know the attorney general's office issued an opinion i believe back in 2017 that said i-200 doesn't necessarily bar affirmative action, there's just steps that you have to take to get there. And so what we did was, under the direction of Secretary millara we created the roadmap to diversity. When we have, when we build projects with federal dollars and use federal funds, we must, by federal law, put an affirmative action program called the DBE program, Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Program, on our federally funded projects. And we do, when we do that, we get pretty good results. Our DDE goal is 19% um, and we're hitting about 18.9. And when I say DDE, I mean, that is women and uh, minority owned white women and minority owned firms. Um, And we do very well in our federal program because we have that federal affirmative action program. In our state program, because we were directed to follow I-200 that participation goes from 18.9 to I have, I don't believe I've ever seen it above 10. Usually it's hovering around seven or 8%. So as you can see, it, it it's less than half when we don't have that federal, I mean, that federal affirmative action program, minorities and women do not do as well in getting minorities and women opportunities on our state-funded contracts. So that roadmap to diversity was to outline steps that we were going to take, what we call race-neutral measures. So we went through a series of race-neutral measures. We did small business programs. We did, you know, outreach. We did uh, a lot of technical assistance. Even with all what we did, we still have not closed that gap. Between our federal, when we have an affirmative action program, and our state-funded, when we don't have that federal affirmative action program. So now we are at the last stage of the roadmap, and so what we, what we've done is we've created a, a affirmative action program, a state affirmative action program, and we're going to be having a hearing on the rules for that program. that That hearing will be September 29th, 10 a.m at the Washington Department of Transportation headquarters um, in Olympia, in the transportation committee room, meeting room. And that hearing will be able to discuss the rules of a new state affirmative action program that we have created to put on our state funded contracts. We have to do, in order to run the federal affirmative action program, the DDE program, we have to have a disparity study. That's according to the Ninth Circuit in a case called Western States Paving and washed out has conducted disparity studies for over 20 years that gives us the basis it tells us what amount of our contracting dollars should go to minorities and women um without discrimination and so that's how we get our goal of 19 percent when the disparities we expect that next disparity study to come out probably we'll have it about the second week of october um and if that disparity study shows that we still do significantly worse in our state funded program when we don't have affirmative action. If the secretary sees that, he's developed, we've developed the list of criteria for the secretary to look at. If we are not doing significantly better in our state funded program, then we will put an affirmative action program on our state funded dollars in spite of i-200 and we'll litigate against anyone who wants to litigate against us because we think that we have followed the attorney general's office advice to the letter and we are ready if rod if the secretary makes that decision that says i've seen enough we cannot do this without affirmative action and you know we have a title six issue because our state-funded lags so far behind our federally funded. If he makes that determination with the attorney general's office support and the governor's support, we will put an affirmative action program on our state-funded dollars.
0: Okay, two quick questions. There's some information that came out from your office that you shared uh, for the DBE program. availability of African-American firms is 1%. 1%. And that's, we know that's a tribute for 25 years of no affirmative action. And also, I think we also have to look at the fact that black folks get discriminated against. Uh, we know that, uh, that white females were favored, uh, in the DBE program. And, uh, and I, I discussed with you earlier, uh, there are some things measures that can be taken that can increase this, like one, uh, trucking companies, for example why do they have to be under a prime contractor i realize it's an added burden for the state but if the state's gonna really be fair and equitable there has to be a mechanism set up so these smaller companies can bid directly to the owner so they can grow their business they're not gonna grow being under a prime contractor as a matter of fact i think 10 black trucks truckers have went out of business because they're not picked but they can do the job and the fact is is that as long as we have that empirical system set up where the prime contractor gets to choose everybody on the job, including parts of the job that don't require anything, have no dealing with the physical structure whatsoever. So I'm just uh, thinking that uh, that one percent availability is a, is a direct cause uh, caused by uh, I-200 and Gary Locke's uh, Governor's Directive 98-01. So what kind of uh, impl- what kind of plans uh, do you have to include the people who are being left out? Like African descendants of the United States enslaved. I'll be very specific. The Black folks have been here for 400 years, died in every war, as my daughter said, built this joint for free. What's gonna, what is going to be the incentive for the people who can do the work to come back into a situation where they've been already kicked to the curb?
2: It mean, is a very good question. And I look forward to seeing the new disparity study to see if the availability of African Americans has risen from that 1%. Um currently I do not know the answer whether it whether African Americans, whether we have um increased our availability or not, the goal is definitely to increase uh, uh African American availability. What I will say is um African American availability when the secretary and I first got here, um the participation, not the availability but the utilization was under 0.5 uh percent. So we have doubled and, in some reports, um, tripled African-American participation since Secretary Millar and myself um, have been here. And that's, I think, one of the reasons for that is um, we, he's pushed through the agency that inclusion and diversity and equity inclusion isn't just my job. It's, it, it's not my office's job. It's the job of every single person at the DOT, which is why now managers and executives, their performance evaluation depends on how well they do in these areas. And I'm glad that you mentioned trucking. Uh, Eddie, great minds think alike because the secretary directed me to see what is the feasibility of having cutting trucking out of our contracts and us dealing directly with trucking. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. Um, So far, I haven't quite figured it out. On how we could actually cut trucking out and, and and do it separately, the secretary wanted me to look at that. One compromise we came up with was instead of us dealing with trucking as an agency directly, to put all of the truckers into a consortium. Uh, meaning, let's let's we we hired a consultant. We went out with a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar RFP to hire a consultant to organize all of our truckers into one big unit so that they could have more bidding power. Um, And so that they could be more competitive. Um, Currently, that consortia is being worked on um, by a lady by the name of Mary Lerdahl. And we hope to see uh, at least a good 80 percent of our African-American truckers in that consortia to give them more bidding power.
0: What about the ones that had problems that need to be built back up and need to have an investment to get, uh, get bright again? Because when you don't have business, you go out of business. We have a lot of people, uh, African-Americans, that have the expertise, but without opportunities, you know, there's not very much they can do. I was just curious to see if there's going to be any kind of Marshall Plan to build these companies who've been discriminated against, if there's going to be any kind of uh, assistance for them to get back on their feet after they've been knocked off by racial discrimination in the construction industry.
2: Well, my office doesn't have the ability to, like, loan people directly money, but we do have not only federal, but we have state. Uh, supportive services for um, anyone in the uh, DBE program or anyone that is certified as a minority business enterprise and Eddie what I found is you know we have to do a better job of advertising those services because it seems the wealthiest the wealthiest of our companies take the most advantages of our services and those that actually need our services um the, the, the actually the really small ones they're not coming to us, for the services that we have. Take, for example, we created a $750,000 loan program, and this loan program caters to minorities and small business, um, even to those with challenging credit scores. I think uh, the uh, Northwest Business Impact has been able to help people, uh, companies, with credit scores just below 600. Um, and we used all private dollars for that. And I apologize to the three credit unions that kicked in $250,000 each to that program because I can't think of the names off the top of my head. But well, that, was money, no was that money-, anyway. yeah, money was the most <laughs> important
0: thing anyway.
2: Yeah, that money was the most, thing most anyway, important but thing
0: well, anyway. Before to plane- we have to go, I want I want you to share with the folks. You have some literature out on the programs you're talking about. Share with our listening audience. How can they get access to this information that you're dispensing right now?
2: You know, if someone would just go ahead and email me and that is uh, uh, a K-E-Y-E at W-S-D-O-T dot W-A dot G-O-V. Just respond to me uh, in an email. I'm going to give it to you one more time real quick. K-E-Y-E at W-S-D-O-T dot W-A dot G-O-V. Email me and I'll be happy to get anyone that's interested uh, more information. Anyone is welcome to come to the hearing um on the 29th at 10 a.m. in Olympia, Washdot headquarters. Uh we would love to have your comments and public feedback and love to have your support.
0: And that's not going to be virtual. People have to show up in purpose in person in order to testify.
2: They have to show up in person.
0: Okay. All right. We're well, okay. I want to thank you very much for you and uh Roger Malar and the rest of the crew down at Wash And hopefully we'll see some opportunities coming for folks in the neighborhood to look like me. So thank you, very uh, Eddie.
2: Th- well. Eddie, can I just thank you for all that you do? Thank you for this radio program. Thank you for enlightening the community. It is because people like you and other organizations stay on our backside that we uh, keep the pedal to the metal. So thank you for all you do. Okay, thank you, Earl. Look forward to thank seeing you. you.
0: Okay, all right, Eric. We'll take a break and come back after the break.
3: List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend Port PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle-Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com.
4: At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out OrcaLift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, Visit us at soundtransit.org.
3: Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Eddie
0: Rye back at Urban Forum Northwest. I want to give a shout out to my supporters, and that would be the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, Sound Transit's uh, Civil Rights Equity and Inclusion Office, uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Ctag Tag Bar Group, LLC, the two Vietnam, I mean, uh, Iraqi veterans, on the Mountain Room Bar and the African Lounge on Concourse A out at SeaTac. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that Carissa Braxton and Dennis Denman Jr. Want to make sure that you attend the SHIFT Conference. Uh, It's the Elijah Generation, Extraordinary Gifted for Difficult Times. It's a worship service and a brunch. It will be at New Beginnings Christian Fellowship on Sunday, September 24th. Uh, The brunch tickets are 10 bucks. And you will see special guest Sharon Williams and the preacher will be Pastor David Malcolm Magruder. And so the young folks, you need to get out to New Beginnings on Sunday morning at uh, 9.30 a.m. for this outstanding activity. And my next guest is uh, Charles Wilson with the Department of Enterprise Services. And they have come up with a program that's gonna uh, expand their inclusion efforts by the name of the EDGE program. So uh, Charles, uh, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. and share the good news with my listening audience.
5: Well, thanks for having me. Can you hear me?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're loud and clear. So why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, the DES. We know that none of the numbers have looked good, and they brought in an expert like yourself uh, to write the ship. So we would like to hear about what you have proposed to include folks that look like me and the opportunities for the state government.
5: Great. Well, what we have is that we've created a program called Washington edge in the edges, encouraging diversity, growth, and equity. And so with that program, um, I went out and I spoke to a number of contractors, a number of our constituents throughout the, the years. And they mostly told me the same things one um we can't compete against the big contractors two that um uh, you know we we have a problem with capacity building three that um they couldn't pass the experience question because in their estimation you can't get experience if you never get hired so I said, well, let me see what we can do. And from those discussions, we created Washington Edge. So what the program does is that the program is is unique because it is um, looking at the department setting aside certain contracts. So we're going to identify a number of contracts under a million dollars. And we're going to make them available only to edge bidders, so the only people in the program have an opportunity to bid on these contracts. So that takes care of the big uh, bidders being a part of the problem, right? We've we've removed all the big large firms from
0: this. Can you um, share with our listeners uh, some? Some of the responsibilities of DES is known as the state's procurement agency. What are all the responsibilities of DES? Oh, okay. Well, DES
5: is, uh, and I'll I'll really talk more, Eddie, about public works. Okay. Okay. Well, we are, again, uh, a public works agency. We um, have the responsibility to build and maintain. all of the state facilities to include technical and community colleges. We do about $800 million worth of work biannually.
0: annually. They, they also purchase different items, correct, for the state agencies?
5: We do. And that's another division. That's our, our uh, contracts of procurement division. And they do about, I'm thinking $1.4 billion in purchases. And so yeah, we are the number one purchasing agents for the state.
0: And and now let's go back to the EDGE program because my listeners would probably be more interested in have been closer to an opportunity. Uh, Give us the specifics about the EDGE program Charles, if you would.
5: So it's gonna provide some hands-on training. It's going to provide a professional certification from an organization called American Institutes of Constructors, um, providing a uh, networking opportunity and hopefully an equitable edge for these small businesses in um, procuring contracts with DES.
0: And uh, what is the process? how do people get involved with the edge program? Is there a registration? Uh, will it be an orientation or is it each individual company taking the initiative to contact you or your designee in DES to get involved with the EDGE program?
5: Well, right now we're still in the development of the program. We're close to finishing um, and we're developing our policy right now. Um, and once we finish that, we'll get that over to the director for uh, for, for signage. But there's an application process and when we launch we'll make that application available to folks um it'll be online on the website we'll be able to send it to people if necessary and there's an affidavit uh associated with it as well Mm -hmm. and so people just need to fill out the application and get it back to me at des
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, get my listeners some kind of idea of how many african-american and minority businesses uh as des engaged with right now in terms of uh, opportunities and also do you guys deal with architects and engineers as well yes we do okay
5: and and one of the things about this program is that this is concentrated on construction right now but the next phase will be architects and engineers Mm -hmm. and we're going to expand the program out to them
0: this is very interesting because we just talked to uh Earl Key from from Washington State Department of Transportation a little while ago, mm-hmm. and they're making some efforts over there. But like I said, 25 years of no affirmative action, you lose a lot of family-owned businesses, a lot of people going out of business. And I looked at the impact that uh, the truckers were having being under a prime contractor. And it seems like one former female-owned trucking company that is now occupied by her ex-husband is uh, really doing a bang-up job. And- I know that there are several black truckers that have gone out of business due to lack of opportunities and lack of investment in what they're doing. And I I was thinking that they could bid directly to the state. They could expand their business when you're under another person's foot. It's very hard to even not only grow, but even get paid on time. So uh, we hope that all this is, uh, these obstacles are taken into consideration as not only you, but as also as Earl of Washdot uh taking into consideration to make sure that every uh available opportunity is provided to get to level the playing field because it's been tilted really bad for 25 years with no affirmative action that's why the central of seattle has gone from about 85 percent black to 15. the city of seattle has seven percent african descendants of united states enslaved so uh that's all due to economic injustice and economic inequality, I should say, but but go right ahead, Charles.
5: No, I agree with you, Eddie. I think it's a it's a travesty of how many firms we've lost over the years. Um, I think I mentioned to you a while back that um, years ago and I worked for another agency. um, We were leading the state in goals and and there was a number of black firms that were on the projects like I-90 and a few others uh but they're all gone they all went out of business and so that's part of the reason that we um developed this washington's program is that it's it's a prime contracting program not a subcontracting program Mm -hmm. so we're trying to create prime contractors and we're trying to build capacity for those folks who are still left and we're trying to you know help them grow right and put them on a uh, firm ground so that they can go out and compete in the marketplace without the program.
0: Okay. Uh, so what is what is uh, uh You said the program has to be signed off by the director. What do you the see policy. the policy? Just, just the policy. OK, when do you see uh, the program being started and what kind of uh, uh, is there going to be a limitation to the number of uh, businesses you're going to be entertaining? just give us an idea of how that would work
5: well right now um we're hoping that we can get this thing launched within the next month or two i i hope not to get into november i'd like to do it by november by october but it might stretch into november Mm -hmm. um and then in terms of the number of contractors it's it's pretty open right now um i think one There's not a whole lot of contractors out there that uh, will be eligible to bid. One of of the things too with this, Eddie, is that this is not a program targeting minority and women contractors. Mm -hmm. This is a program targeting micro and mini contractors. So as you know, with micro, you have to have uh, gross receipts of a million dollars or less. Mm-hmm. And with many, it's $3 million or less, mm-hmm. right? So
0: we think- and the, by- people, and, the, and the people the people who have been in business certainly won't have any, uh, any, anywhere close to those kind of uh, dollars because they, right. they, have, they haven't been in business. But you say under a million, so that would cover people who haven't been busy, got the expertise, but haven't had the opportunity. Exactly. I mean, when and I look it, at, uh,
5: for example, the science center for small businesses, that's $7 million. Okay. Right? And I know, you know, a lot of contractors out there, but I don't know any that are making $7 million a year.
0: Okay. <laughs> right. So Charles, how can people uh, get access there a link uh, to what you're doing? How can people get access to information? You know, will you wait until actually the policy's been signed off before you go public?
5: Yeah, we're trying to wait till the policy is done before okay. we really go public. Although we have had... Probably six or seven stakeholder uh, engagement meetings already, um, and a number. And of you did a
0: presentation to the National uh, Washington chapter of National Association of Minority Contractors. Yes, sir. That's good. That's yes, much. So anyway, I think a lot of that information was recorded, and if anybody wants to hear Charles's uh, presentation, go to NAMCWAY uh dot com and that's the washington chapter of national association of Minority contractors i think that meeting was held earlier this month and uh charles's presentation is on there so charles thank you very much and uh, uh we will keep up and then as things progress and the policy signed please let us know so we can let our listening audience know as well
5: absolutely thanks okay. for having me
0: okay charles wilson thank you very much Okay, and give, give our folks the edge, okay?
5: <laughs> yes, sir. I'm doing right, my best.
0: All right, now, I appreciate it. Okay, Eric, we're going to take this last break and come back with Clarence Williams, president of the Northwest Association of Retired uh,
3: Firefighters. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend Port Gen Workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.cTACShops.com.
4: At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more.
3: Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you.
0: Okay, I announced the shift conference conference already, which is gonna be uh Sunday from nine and starting at 9:30 at New Beginnings. I got okay. Clarence Williams is gonna be coming on in one minute. But Clarence, I want to do this one little announcement because uh Peter Gashuru uh told me I need to do this announcement. So I want to do this right quick and then we're gonna to go to now give us your title, Clarence. I think I goofed it up. That's okay. President for the
6: Northwest Association of Retired Black Firefighters
0: let me do this announcement right quick. Anyway, on September 30th, it's the 23rd annual African Day Business Forum and Dinner. We'll have Peter Kashuru, the president, on next Thursday, but it's going to be Saturday, September 30th, 2023, from 8.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the Hilton Motif Hotel, 1415 Fifth Avenue. And uh, let me see if there's a number here. Well, there's all kinds of information. I'm going to put this up on the uh, on the uh my facebook page so people can see it as well so we'll have peter on next week and then i mentioned the shift conference twice already that'll be coming up so my next guest is clarence williams uh who is uh uh the the president of the of the the retired black was it all firefighters black firefighters
6: black firefighters yes sir
0: (laughs) okay and uh, they also were very involved in trying to save some property up on 23rd and pike which was a house that was used to house the black firefighters, got a lot of history to it. So uh, Clarence, I want you to go ahead and, and talk about exactly uh, what's going on with, uh, with the house and a few other items you got going on at New Beginners Christian Fellowship. You're one of the leaders in the church out there. So uh, why don't you let us bring our folks up to date on where we are with our struggle over the property that the, the retired black firefighters paid for and the new black firefighters want to sell.
6: Well, unfortunately, uh, we're still in litigation. Uh, We think we have a a great chance of being victorious uh, in the decision making. The decision is supposed to be rendered on the 28th of this month, of September. So we are hoping and praying for a favorable decision that will allow us to reclaim that property so that it is not sold, so that it is a landmark. Uh, in the community as it has been and as it should be, so we're looking forward to uh, a great decision coming out of that, and we'll certainly let the community know, one way or the other, how we fare in that regard. Well,
0: well, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, and I, and, uh, I was talking to uh, members of the state legislature who said that that could be designated a historic landmark because they're looking at various ethnic uh uh landmarks uh to preserve uh it's like uh the soic svi building is now a com- central district community preservation and development authority and i think a similar uh situation could exist in the house so that so, uh, the house has a lot of history i i got the picture of uh of the, of the black firefighters sitting in front of a camp when they first started meeting there but right. one of the things that i wanted you to also talk about is one of the departed warriors, uh, Friendly Oscar Mitchell Jr., who passed away, and his service is going to be this Saturday. So if you could share some information about Friendly, he worked in various uh, uh, different, I've read his article in in the Medium and the Facts about the latter companies he worked for, and uh, I didn't realize he retired 20 years ago. That's really amazing.
6: Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. Time is moving uh, fast. And he was uh, close to that original group of African-American firefighters who came in early on. He came in after uh, uh, the big surge, but he came in uh, back in 1972, which is quite a while ago. And really, he he was on a ladder truck and a ladder truck is the ones, the big long ones that go to the roof of the building. He loved adventure and he loved helping people. He And that's the whole idea of firefighting is that you're there to help people when they're in distress. So he loved doing that. But when he wasn't doing that, he was also a member of the Seattle Black Firefighters Association. And he was an active member there in the community because he felt, as we did, that African-Americans need to have a very good presence within the Seattle Fire Department. And he did everything he could in his power to work to make sure that people were recruited and promoted within the fire service here uh, in seattle so we got to miss uh, friendly and with his name indicate who he was he was a friendly guy he, he was always with a smile on his face he always had a great attitude about not only work but about the uh, community and the organization when he wasn't working with his uh, model with his cars he collected old cars uh, when he wasn't doing other things and restoring them to, uh, to to be around. Back in the day when I had an old 66 uh, Chevy, you know, he had those kind of cars. So he was a great guy, had a lot of history, and we're certainly going to miss him uh, for what he contributed to the organization.
0: And his uh, service, celebration of life service will be Saturday, September 23rd. 2023 at Damascus International Fellowship which is at 5261 Rainier Avenue South and it's at 11 o'clock that's correct uh that's uh, correct uh well I'm sorry I won't be able to as a matter of fact friendly brother uh, Danny who is deceased now and my brother Jackie were the best of friends uh, Mm -hmm. uh for years so and uh well we're hoping that you know everything works out well but, uh, Clarence, I want to thank you for all the work you've been doing. So, Clarence, as the retired Black are they, are they are they still meeting? And where do you meet? Well, we're meeting virtually, uh, pretty much. So
6: we have our calls like we're doing here. Uh, mm-hmm. Since we don't have a facility to meet in anymore right now, since we were locked out of that during this struggle to try and save it. Uh, so we hope to be able to be back at our uh, headquarters building on 23rd and Pike, hopefully one day soon okay
0: well i'll tell you one thing i certainly hope you're successful because i would certainly like to see this uh be a a preservation of a historical landmark so clarence williams thank you very much yes sir let let the people at shift know that i gave the shift a shout out absolutely i'll do that all right okay Uh, eddie rye again with urban form northwest and i want to just let everybody know i want to thank ctac bar group llc Uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, and the City of Seattle's uh, Personal Construction Services Department, and Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion. And uh, I will be at the Congressional Black Caucus, but uh, I will see you real soon. Thank you very much, Eric.